This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Imagine it's months before your college graduation. It should be a time of great joy. But you're in the hospital. Doctors telling your family they are going to put you into a medical coma, that you have 24 hours to live, a 1% chance of surviving septic shock. My guest not only survived, but she is choosing to be a victor and not a victim. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my guest today is Alexa Carlin, who has learned what it means to truly adapt. Alexa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. Life has definitely not been easy since Alexa's initial diagnosis, but not only is she a survivor, she's an entrepreneur, a speaker, author, and an influencer. We have a lot to talk about today, Alexa, but first of all, I have to ask you, how are you today? Today, I am the best I've been since my near-death experience. Oh, I love hearing that. Congratulations. Since your near-death experience, I mean, that's not the only trauma that you have had to deal with. I was reading your book, Adaptable, which is now available, and for seven years, you had one hit after another. You have a chronic autoimmune disease, you have ulcerative colitis, your sister nearly took her life, your dad lost his business, your parents split up, even the family dog passed away. You had so many hospital stays, so many moves across the country. I can only imagine the amount of pain that you were living in every day, and even perhaps fear. What got you through all of that? It definitely has been a very hard journey to say the least, but I would say that uh, there are a number of things that helped me not give up. And one was this journey of curiosity, as I like to call it, um, when I couldn't find hope, right? We're all looking for hope, but when you're getting hit after hit after hit, it was like, I don't know where to find hope. And then when also you're dealing with a chronic illness that there's no cure for, you know that you have to live with it for the rest of your life. It's like, how do I find hope in a better future? I exchanged hope for curiosity and I became very curious to what may happen if I don't give up. Mm. It was always my dreams, my family still by my side that really helped me and my community helped me continue day after day, even through some of the darkest moments in my life. Mm. When someone is in physical pain, as you were, it can truly take over your mind. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening today can relate to that. But even though you didn't have control over your body, including your breathing at one point, you realized that you did have control over your mind. Is that where your philosophy of nothing can defeat you without your permission came from? The mind is so powerful. And we really need to understand that we always have the power in our control, even when we can't control outside circumstances or challenges, we have the power to change our life by changing our perception of it. If you choose to see life not as it is, but rather as it can be, I mean, you can literally achieve whatever you want by adapting to all those things that you can't control. It's about taking back that power, noticing that If you can think a thought 
shift your thoughts, then you always have an opportunity to change your life for the better. Mm, I love you using the word the power because I know you are a firm believer in the power of you, the power of one. And that one kind of came from your 1% chance that you were given to live. And I know from your book, you kind of have a mantra almost of one connection, one decision, one action. Share with us how you have made that word one so powerful. Since I can remember uh, back when I started my first business at 17, I always had a mission to make a difference in at least one person's life every single day. And then when I was given a 1% chance to live, years later, after I learned the hard lesson of seeing it as an opportunity, as something that happened for me versus to me, I realized like so many people are seeing that, that number one, say in a statistic, uh, if you have a 1% chance to achieve what you want, will you actually go after it? Most people would say, no, I mean, those are horrible odds, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But, but why can't you put yourself in the 1%? That's the power. It's understanding that you literally have the potential to be the 1%, to achieve what you want, regardless of the odds stacked against you. And then that power of one understanding that one person can make a difference because of that ripple effect. And then on the other side of it, there's the understanding that you may just be one person, one connection, one decision away from transforming your entire life. And that thought of the potential of one helped me not give up. And, and that comes in all different ways, not just mindset and mental health and wellness, but also on your journey in your career, right? If you send a hundred pitches to potential clients or speaking gigs or whatever it may be, and you get a hundred no's, it's very easy to give up, <laughs> of course. right? <laughs> yeah. If you have that thought, well, what if this next one is the one, you're more likely to send that next email and not give up. It only takes one. Alexa's powerful story is now available in her new book, Adaptable, How to Lead with Curiosity pivot with purpose, and thrive through change. And I've read it, and I really love so many aspects of your book, Alexa. You allow people to see the real you, your struggles, self-doubt, fears, insecurities. All of us can relate to that. And as someone who just finished writing my own book, I have to ask you, how hard was it for you to write your book? Oh, man, you understand the <laughs> struggles of an author. I will say that writing this book, it was very hard because it brought back a lot of trauma. Sure. I couldn't write it in the sense of looking back in my past. I had to really put myself back in my shoes. And luckily, I journaled a lot. And so mm -hmm. when I would be writing this book, I would read parts of my journal and it really brought that raw emotion and that feeling back to me like I was living it. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a very hard thing. And that's why it took me so long to write this book because I had to be healthy and strong enough to be able to even go back there. Sure. You have to have that kind of strength physically, mentally, emotionally to go back and revisit all of that, to relive all of that so that you can put that into perspective into the book. And that really does come through. What do you want the reader to learn from this book, Adaptable? I want every reader to walk away after they read the book, understanding that 
regardless of the challenges, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the odds stacked against you, you have the power to adapt so you can truly achieve what you want and live the life that you desire. I don't want anything to get in people's way and understand that they're not alone and that there's power in being yourself. There's power in being vulnerable and your past, your current, your future challenges. Yes, they're part of you, but they do not have to define what you can and cannot do. Being able to adopt that mindset. I believe that when you feel confident that you can adapt to anything that's thrown your way, you truly become unstoppable and you continue on the pursuit towards the life that you deserve. And I also love after each chapter, you have some action steps for people to take. And they're really very poignant questions that people should ask of themselves and really help to transform their life. Besides the wisdom that you have in your book, you share a lot of stories about all your career chapters or your plans, as you call them. I love how you write that if plan A doesn't work out, you went on to plan B and that you're now on to plan Q. (laughs) Talk about adapting and talk about a lot of next chapters. What kept you moving forward when something didn't work out? There was a lot of times where I will be transparent to say, you know, I I sat in my victim, like my victimhood. I sat in the doubt and the fear and, and felt very much like I was a victim to circumstance. The times when I finally got myself out of that, and like I said, find the opportunity through the obstacle, it was really being sick and tired of waiting, waiting Mm -hmm. for something to change, right? Waiting for things to be different. But as I mentioned in my book, like I truly believe that you must not wait for your life to change. You must change your own life. Mm -hmm. And it's getting to that point. And hopefully after reading this book, people don't have to get to this point. I felt like, you know, I'm only at that time was like 22 years old. You can sit, you can complain, you can wish away the past. You could wish things were different. But another thing in my book is like hope is not a strategy, Mm -hmm. right? So we can complain or we can act. Exactly. And I chose to make a change. I also love one of the things that you put in the book. We can become so attached to a plan that we end up losing the magic of the world. And to your point, you got basically fed up. You're like, I'm not going to keep living my life like this. And you went after the magic. I want to go back a few years, not that far, because you're not that old yet. (laughs) But (laughs) when you were 17, you talk about falling in love with the process of turning an idea into reality. And that was really your first entrepreneurial venture designing and selling jewelry for an LA-based fashion company. And specifically, you created these bracelets that benefited a charity in Africa. You readily admit that you knew nothing about starting a business at that time. And I I can speak to that myself. I didn't know how to start a business. It's hard. It was definitely running with my passion and excitement. I felt called to what they were doing and I wanted to be part of it. That's so great. In college, you started a blog called Hello Perfect. What was the main goal of the blog? We were on a mission to redefine perfection, to help girls and young women gain confidence in themselves because I knew that confidence was the main thing that was holding me back from getting to that Mm. next level at this time in my life. And I grew up very shy and, and I know that confidence is imperative to success. And I also knew I was not the only one that was (laughs) struggling with this. The blog had that mission to show, you know, everyone has a different meaning for the word perfect. Sure. One of the things that I love about that blog is that you would ask people, what's your definition of perfect? 
So who gave you, in your opinion, the best definition? Who gave it to you? And what is your definition of perfect? Let's start with the first part. Who gave you the best definition of perfect? Oh, the best one has to be actually the example I use in my book with Mark Jacobs. Yes. He just goes, (laughs) perfect, what is? And I'm like, oh man, you are a genius, Mark Jacobs. (laughs) And we're talking about the fashion designer, Mark Jacobs here. I just want people to know that. (laughs) So many people have incredible definitions for the word, but that was just like mic drop moment right there. Yeah. You have a lot of those in the book, by the way. So now what is your definition of perfect, if you have one? My definition of perfect is pursuing what you love, being who you are. Mm -hmm. And I believe that to me is perfection because that looks different for everyone. It does. I want to talk about coincidences. You don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. And you have a lot of stories in the book, but I really want you to share with our listeners, in particular, the story of the $5 bills. There were two moments in my life where a $5 bill presented itself to me. And both of those moments, I was at a really dark place in my life. The first one was in New York City. I was starting to get sick again. This is after my near-death experience, after college graduation. But it was before I knew I was starting to have an autoimmune disease. I wasn't diagnosed yet. And I was so, so sick and, and just in a dark, dark place. I decided to go for a walk through Times Square, which I always avoided at all costs when you live there. Yep. (laughs) But in the busy streets, I at one moment looked up and I saw all of the lights, the energy, and I went back to that feeling I had when I was 10 years old, the first time I visited New York City with my mom. And I just felt that lightness again and that freedom again. At that moment, I just felt like in the present. And when I looked down, there was a $5 bill and everyone's just rushing. Anyone that's been to New York City, you know, everyone's just doing their own thing. Nobody pays attention to what's on the ground. Nobody (laughs) was paying attention. And it was boom, like right there in the the midst of so many people. And the moment I picked it up, I felt like God was talking to me, like everything's going to be okay. Mm. The weight was just lifted. And that happened again A few months later, I moved home from New York City. I had to go back living with my parents to gain their support when I was struggling with now this uh, onset of this autoimmune disease. And me and my mom just went to every doctor possible. And it was very frustrating because everyone had a different plan. Everyone said, okay, this will work. This will work. And everything was so different. I was so fed up. I was very limited on my food and it was making me miserable based on every recommendation. I took out everything in my diet and I couldn't go out to eat. I couldn't hang out with friends. I was just in a very dark place. And after one doctor's appointment, my mom saw that my distraught mood and she's like, let's just try and go out to to lunch. When we went, I looked at the menu, couldn't eat one thing. I I felt like this had to be wrong. And that goes into really tuning into your intuition. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I thought, you know, this can't be right if it's making me so mentally unwell. I decided to take what felt right from each doctor and create my own plan, right? Not listen to everything, but take things here and there from all the different advice I got. And I ordered a meal and it had to be like the best like veggie burger and fries ever (laughs) after that meal. And I made a decision for myself listening to my intuition. I felt again like this was right. Just more weight was lifted off my shoulders. 
after this meal, I went in to use the restroom before we left the restaurant and nobody was in there and boom, right there on the floor, a $5 bill. Another one. Another one. I was like, wow. And I picked it up and I felt that same rush of feelings, like that overwhelming feeling that God was saying, everything's going to be okay. And when I told this story to a spiritual friend of mine, she said, Alexa, do you know what the symbol five represents? And I didn't. And she said, five represents the hand of God. I just felt like there's no such thing as a coincidence. It really was the two moments in my life that I made decisions for me that I felt more in the present moment that I listened to my intuition. God presented this $5 bill to me and that weight was slowly lifted off. Such a beautiful story. Fast forward now to the current business that you launched, Women Empower X, or WEX for short. And while your paths have changed a little bit over time, your mission has not. And you talked a little bit about that earlier. Why did you want to start WEX and how are you helping women entrepreneurs? I discovered a need for diverse women, different ages, backgrounds, and industries to connect and collaborate because when I started to get healthy again and I started to speak more, I noticed there was a big disconnect. Like every event was very segmented off by age, industry, or even background and ethnicity. I just thought, how much change can we create when we connect and collaborate, when we learn from diverse voices? That really inspired the idea for WEX as well as my need for community. Mm -hmm. When I was super sick and I was too sick to publicly speak, I went online and I did live streaming Every day when my community showed up for me, they helped me not give up. They helped me have some reason to wake up and, and show up for myself and for them. And I wanted to connect with more people, not just online, but offline. And I launched Women Empower X in 2016 with that mission. From 2016 up until the pandemic, we were hosting large conferences, uh, two to 3,000 women per event at convention centers around the country. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and uh, everybody, everything changed. You pivoted with purpose again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like COVID-19 just stole all of my dreams. We were finally at a point where we were getting bigger sponsors. We were growing. We were just, you know, launched our event on the West Coast. Here we go. Start all over. And for a while, I was getting very burnt out because I felt like I lost my passion because I was trying all these different things just to keep the business afloat and pivoting just to try to find some revenue sources. Through that, I thought, you know, I, I need to find a better way or else I'm just not going to want to run this business. Mm -hmm. And I thought back to this list that I wrote when I was in the dating world. <laughs> I called my non-negotiables. Right? <laughs> and, and we write this list and that list actually ended up leading me to my fiance. And we write this list for our partner in life, but why don't we write it for our career that we spend so much time doing? And so I thought, okay, let me write my non-negotiables when it came to my business and my career. And I wrote this list and it had like, you know, had to be rooted in diversity and inclusivity, had to be about collaboration over competition, had to provide freedom for me to be able to spend time with my loved ones and friends. I looked at this list after writing it and there was nowhere on this list that said in-person events. And that's when I realized like in-person events is not my purpose. That was just the path I was on to fulfill my purpose. Right. But there's a million different ways to achieve what you want. And that helped me pivot with purpose. And that helped me launch our WEX membership 
that helped me get this signed publishing deal to write Adaptable. It helped us launch our virtual events. We pivoted with purpose and now our membership, it's very different than a conference, but it has that same mission of connecting a diverse community of women and empowering one another to get to that next level in their career. So true. From selling bracelets to your blog, to your radio show, to your nonprofits, your events, your online business, you really have stayed true to yourself, Alexa. As you think back to when you nearly lost your life and you were lying in that hospital bed, you write about asking yourself a very important question. Did I live my life when I had the opportunity? How do you answer that question today when it comes to living your best life? You know, I live my life day to day, just like anyone else. Just because you have a near-death experience or a crazy trauma does not mean that you're always making the most of your life, but it does help me catch myself in the moments when I'm focused on the little things that don't really matter, that shouldn't be causing me this stress or anxiety. When I find myself stressing over the little things or things that shouldn't matter as much in the big scheme of things, I remember that point when I was in the coma, when I was in the ICU, asking myself the question, did I live my life when I had the opportunity? And I remind myself, I was given another chance. I was Mm -hmm. given another opportunity. And so that does not mean that I have to travel the world or just quit and just like go off on the rails and, (laughs) and do all this stuff, right? I'm way more realistic than that in the sense of providing insight and advice for anyone that's reading my book. There's still responsibilities. There's still things that we have to do that maybe wouldn't be our definition of of living the grandest life, but every single moment from brushing your teeth to cooking dinner to doing homework with your kids or whatever it may be can be amazing if you choose to perceive it that way. And so that's how I choose to live my life today is that I really am grateful for my life, grateful for the people around me. And even if it's mundane tasks, I try to be super present and grateful for the moment that I'm in right now. You talk about this quote in the book, and I think a lot of people know this quote. They know certainly the song from Kelly Clarkson, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. However, you've added four very important words. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger if you let it. Alexa, it appears nothing is going to keep you down. And I love (laughs) that philosophy and approach. If you let it, I love that. Alexa's book is adaptable and it is now available. And if you want to learn more about Alexa, just go to alexacarlin.com. That's A-L-E-X-A-C-A-R-L-I-N.com. Alexa, I am so happy to have you today on the show and I truly appreciate you spending time with us. And I wish you all the good health, happiness, and success that I know is still ahead of you. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for listening in today. May all of us live our best life by being fully present to the magic of it all. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out Fast Twitch Media dot space.